Philippians 4.13 is where we're going this morning. We're talking today about my big mouth and my big future. Philippians 4.13, we just uh, were talking a little bit about it a moment ago. This attitude that Paul had and he's talking about meditating on these things. Uh Uh-huh. And understanding these things very, very powerfully. I was listening to a guy the other day uh, on YouTube and he's a pastor, I think he's a pastor, and he goes around after church in shopping centres where Christians are on their way home and they're in the supermarket and stuff and he goes up to them and he says, I'll give you $100, $1,000 or $10,000 if you can finish these three scriptures. And he'll start up with something like, for God so loved the... And if you can finish it, then he'll say, uh, now faith is the substance of things. Yeah. And if you can answer the three of them, he gives you all the money. But so far, he hasn't found anybody that can answer all the three questions. So how important it is to know our word? Huh? How important it is that we be people who know our word, not based upon wanting money, but gee, you could do a lot if you had some money. You could give it to someone, couldn't you? Bless them at the supermarket and stuff like that. Uh, someone said to me, I don't need to talk about, I've got as much as I need money. I said, well, you, you always need as a Christian enough money to live on and enough money to give away. That's how you live. So when there's a mission opportunity, oh, I feel I need to give to that and it can be able to be free. Here it tells us, and we talked about it a moment ago, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh-huh. And he's talking about, Paul's talking about this attitude, this understanding about you and I meditating on this and, and about their faith in Christ. And I want to talk to you about that for a minute today because we understand, as we talked about last week, faith is important. We talked about how the mind can conceive things, but the, by confession, things are established. And so important, things are established. As I said, if Taylor and Josh didn't say I do or didn't say anything at the wedding, they're not married. No matter how much I officiate over it, they are not married until that confession, and I believe freely comes out of their mouth. You would have had that happen if you're married today. Your priest or pastor would have been watching you too because it's a legal requirement for us to continue to hold our wedding licenses uh, in Australia. And so being able to understand faith and confession are really, really important because faith is about calling those things which are not as though they were. Calling those things, not thinking about them, but calling those things that are not as though they are or were. And that's very, very important uh, when we look at this because we understand, as we talked about it, faith has a language. There's a language of faith and it's the language of God. God talks faith. Uh-huh. And we talked last week about the difference between natural faith and spiritual faith and how important it is to live. What God's talking about is spiritual faith. With faith, it's possible to please God. How many people want to please God? That's a good thing, isn't it? Please God. Live by faith. And so faith in the old days used to be, um, I've got bald tires on my car and they're still going around. <laughs> You know what I mean? Uh, But, you know, faith we understand today is something a little bit different, where we understand that faith is calling those things, and we understand it back into now faith. So I'm walking in now faith, and we understand the process of that is really important. We're just doing a catch-up. And so I'm not living out of my soul. I'm living out of my spirit because my faith now is based upon the Word of God. So what I'm doing with my faith is attaching it to a Word from God and letting that Word of God change my life or adjust my life or direct my life in such a way. So I don't let go of that Word 
until I see it come to pass. By his stripes I am healed. Uh-huh. It's, it, it might need to, it might seem like I want to make it futuristic, but I want to make it now. So if I make it now, then every day I walk, I'm just walking in my healing. I'm not walking to my healing, I'm walking in my healing. And this is my confession that I have in my life. And so I learned to grab hold of that scripture until my body gets the email or my body catches up with what my spirit has agreed upon. Uh-huh. And these things are very important. And so faith has a language. It's the language of God. And it's the language that we need to be able to have. Otherwise, my other language that I have is the language of fear. And I talk fearfully about things. Before I was a Christian, I don't know about you, but before I was a Christian, my whole life, whole life was directed by feelings. I feel fat, so therefore I won't be accepted. I feel, you know, that I'm sick, so I must be sick. I feel like I'm going to be sick tomorrow, so I'm going to be. I feel like not forgiving you, so I'm not going to forgive you. I feel like a girl, so I'm going to wear a dress. But not this week. But (laughs) I feel like this and I feel like that. And my whole life can be built upon my feelings, which are so fragile when pressure comes. And at times can be real as being selfish in a way, in a relationship sense. Because just because you feel like that doesn't mean we all have to bow down to that. Just because you don't, you have trouble accepting yourself doesn't mean that we all have to accept you. So when we look at these sort of things, I realize how fragile, can I say it again, building your life on feelings is. I feel this. I feel offended. I feel this. I feel that. Now, are feelings important? Yes, they are. God's given us to them, given us to us. But we understand that feelings are to serve my spirit. So when I make a decision to do that, it's like uh, I had a guy in our church that years ago that I married and he came to me a couple of weeks after they'd been married, three weeks probably, and he said, oh, I don't love her anymore. I'm leaving. I said, really? He said, the feeling's left. The feeling that I had is left. And we used to have a thing called a koala, but we don't do the koala anymore <laughs> because... You're not allowed to do that anymore. But we, <laughs> workplace health and safety. But uh, <laughs> it used to be, is that a koala over there? You know, and they everyone would go like that. And one person, would be, they'd look back and one person would be rubbing their head because someone had gone, you idiot, and whacked them up the side of the head. <laughs> but that was the koala. Uh, don't try this at home, kids. But I do it with Milana now when I'm out with my granddaughter. She's got a bowl of chips, you know. And I say, is that a koala over there? She goes, where, Pa? She's a wake up to me now though. I can't do it. I have to use, I'm using other animals now. (laughs) I've stepped it up. (laughs) But how many people know that it's, it's, it's a commitment. Love follows a commitment. See, what happens when love leaves, when they say, oh, love is leaving, I feel that love is leaving, so I'm leaving where you base commitment, commitment comes out of your character. Where your character says, I'm committed. I said, say to me, I am committed to her. I'm committed to her. (laughs) No, say it again like you mean it. I'm committed to her. I said, say it again. So I went through it a few times. I'm committed to her. And I said, when you get that commitment right, love will follow. 
he came to me about three days later and he goes, we are so in love. <laughs> I said, he said, it works, you know, this stuff works. I said, of course it works. <laughs> and so it is out of our character, out of our spirit-ledness, we have the backing of God according to his word because his word's yes and amen. And the more we know about his word, the more I can open my mouth to confess his word and have a bigger life, big mouth, big life. To be able to confess, a lot of people are, or just think it, and there's no conceiving taking place. There's no conception. Where you know what do you call that? Got, yeah, it's, no one's getting pregnant. Too much contraception. We've got to get you know a, a word should the word the Bible says is the sperm, the seed that goes into us that grows inside of us, and so we should have this word growing inside of us by faith that we're watering every day with our faith confession. I think this is probably a bit too deep for you, but we're getting there. But how many people know that I don't want to base my life on my feelings? In fact, in men's uni, they say the greatest thing that a man has to do, the greatest obstacle any man has to do, is overcome his own feelings. And let his feelings serve God, not serve himself. And how important that actually is. And so I love that sort of talk, don't you? In Matthew 12, it tells us this. Let's take a left turn. It's okay to read the Bible in church? Good. Matthew 12 is where we're going. I hear pages turning. Remember to bring your Bible to church. Don't worry about that phone thing. Bring your Bible. 1234 tells us this. I'm excited to read it because I don't know what it says. Here it is. Verse 34. Jesus is having a chop at the disciples there, brood of vipers. How can you bring evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart does the mouth speak. Out of the abundance of your heart does your mouth speak. Now we talked about faith, that we ought to have a language of faith, but not everybody has a language of faith who's a believer. We should. We need to and we can. But the challenge is we have another sometimes, you know, people say to me, I'm so, uh, it was such good luck the other day, Pastor Stuart, this happened. I must be so blessed. I said, no, the Bible says you're confused. Because the Bible says, clean your hands, you, faith, you filthy sinners. And it says then, cleanse your heart, you double-minded. Cleanse your heart, you double-minded. And how important it is that we're not double-minded in this hour when of all things the church needs to be as single-minded in this hour. We need to be focused on what's right and what's true. And here it says, out of the abundance of the heart does the mouth speak. Is that what it says? Abundance of the heart. I always look at the abundance. You know, when you go to one of those, those coffee things, you know, one of those, you know, what are they, Ditas, soy chai, latte, caramel, Ludo, whatever you have, huh? And it's froth. Most people, you know, they get upset and they have to wipe the froth off and they send the coffee back because it's running over and stuff like that. I always say it's more biblical. My cup runneth over. That's, but, you know, being able to have that, it says out of the abundance, the bit that's running over is your mouth speaking. Now, if you take it back to James, in James it says this, is there's a, a little member in your body that's able to direct your whole body, either send it into fire and brimstone, so to speak, or send it to victory and strength. It's a little member, it's only a little guy, and he's, he's found inside here. I think nearly everyone's got one, haven't they? Tongue. Just bite it for a second just to let you know it's there. There it is. Huh? And everyone's got a tongue. 
I remember when I was doing youth ministry once, I wanted to preach on the power of the tongue to teenagers. And uh, I went down to the butcher's shop and got a big ox's tongue. It was about that long. It was a beauty. It was furry, you know, like this. Uh, and it, it had the, all the stuff on the end of it. And it was big furry tongue oxes. Oh, it was great. And when I went to preach on the power of the tongue. I just flopped it out over the pulpit like that and let it hang down like this. The whole sermon... Yeah, apart from the, there was a moment that I did uh, share it with the girls on the front row. <laughs> Wanted to show them how close this big slimy tongue was. It was fan. They, you know, and that was the boys. But you know, it, it was the teenagers. Yeah, but you know, it, it, the power of the tongue. This little little guy wasn't that little there, but this little guy is able to direct your whole life. Now it says in the natural and the spiritual. In the natural, on top of your tongue, you have a little section. It's about as big as a, the edge of a matchbox. Anyone know what that looks like? No? You used to have a cigarette lighter, didn't you? <laughs> Lighting your durries. But the edge of a, edge of a matchbox. <laughs> and they were the good people. <laughs> Only smoke drum. <laughs> didn't mix it with anything else. <laughs> Some of you have gone very quiet in this holy church. But it's like the edge of a... On top of your tongue is all these taste buds. There's nowhere else in your body, basically, that tastes the food in your body. Once it gets past here, there's no taste, is it? It's only this guy. So if you like sweet things and stuff... How many people like sweet things? Five, good. So, and, so it's, and so this little guy here will go, feed me, feed me sweet things. Or if you like savoury things, more so he'll have savoury. If you like salty things, your tongue will dictate the natural course of your life if you let it. But it also has another job of being able to move up and down and allow you to speak. Either speaks good things or bad things. The Bible says, it says here, can bitter water and sweet water flow out of the same mouth? It talks about salt water and fresh water, another case. And I believe in the early days when we, were looking, when we first came here and we wanted to re-envision fresh water, felt God put it on our heart to do that, 16 years ago probably, uh, we were Freshwater Christian uh, College, I think it was, or something there. And this was Freshwater, no, this was Cairns Family Church or something like that, uh, Assemblies of God Family Church or something like that. I felt God said, just give us one name for the whole thing, one name. And sure, it's a suburb that's close by, but I felt God saying it's also a biblical word. I looked it up and says, can bitter water and fresh water flow from the same stream? Basically saying, can good things and bad things flow from the same mouth? Blessing and cursing, can it do it? And I felt God say to me prophetically that he was raising up a bunch of people who would know the power of the tongue. Uh-huh. And the double-minded people, double-tongued people, fork-tongued people wouldn't be able to stay in the presence of God in this church. Whoa. I thought to myself, I'd like to go to a church like that. And we have very, very, can I be honest, very low levels of gossip in our church. Hopefully we have very low levels of backbiting, beating the pastor up. I preached this message in the early service and too many probably, but graciously some people came to me after the service and said, Pastor Stuart, we've been speaking badly about you for many years. And we've just realised we've, we've undermined our own spirituality because of it. And we praise God for God convicting people and for them being able to repent and change. But when it comes to the tongue, you've got to be very careful because it doesn't come off the tongue 
that comes out of the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the froth that runs over. And if sometimes you look at it two ways. You can look at it being if you've got a negative heart and it's only you're, you're sounding negative out of the froth, I wonder what the liquid's like. Or if you get it the other way, in a positive way, you're very positive and faith-filled, then imagine how rich the liquid is in your heart, not the froth that just runs over the edge, the abundance. And so I look at that like that and I think, well, it gives me a practical way to change this guy because it's coming out of here. And if it comes out of a hurt, a disappointment, or offence, then everything we say eventually will come through that lens. Through that lens. I'll say this to you because I don't trust you. And anyone who's been around for longer than five minutes has, has any level of discernment can hear it, but maybe not always tell the person. You're sly. You're not to be trusted. And God says the same. God loves everybody, but he doesn't trust everybody. I don't think it's be beautiful to be the one of the people that God would trust. That he would trust us. One of the ways he trusts us is that we're not double-tongued. We're single-minded. We'll, we'll say it straight. And here it talks about this genuine people, I, I believe, that God is looking for. Because the tongue is only flapping what's in the heart. Some people that's revolutionary too. But I think one of the great things that can help you is you listen to yourself for a while. Just listen to yourself talk every so often and start thinking, mm, what, am I, what am I talking like? And over in Philippians 2.20, I talked about the other Sunday night, Paul talked about this. He said, I'm looking for a guy called, uh, I'm looking for a guy, somebody I can use. And uh, he said, I cannot find anybody is like me. One of the reasons why people like Paul is that Paul could be fully relied on. So it says about Paul, he's a person that could be fully relied on. And Paul said, I'm looking for somebody who's, who's like me, who I can hand the ministry on to and be committed to this. Now, Paul's a tent maker. He's also in ministry. So he's a sort of a businessman come person that supports himself in ministry. Uh, you know, and that's a very good thing to do if you know what I mean he's not being a burden to the churches in any way shape or form but also their conversation about him is Paul is incredibly reliable as a person he identifies the breakdown of that character trait by looking for someone and he says I found Timothy someone who sincerely cares who sincerely cares he said Timothy's the man you're looking for and he can be trusted and I think in this hour, we, God's looking for people who are sincere. That means genuine of heart. It means that when they ask or when they talk, they have no desire to get anything out of the conversation. Just other than God would be honoured and glorified. Now that's a discipline. It's also a correction of your heart. It's a check of your heart to see am I one of those people that are just manipulative in my conversations. And he said, and he's also, he cares. We have a saying that we use sometimes in the school that uh, is uh, what you walk past, you tolerate. And, you know, sometimes if you walk past a piece of paper, you tolerate it. You walk past some guys swearing, you tolerate it. You know, you walk past something like that, 
and you think, man, that post needs painting or something like that. If you just walk past it, you can, you can tolerate it rather than caring. And when it comes to church life, just in a simple way, and it's not having a chop at anybody because there's no need to, is, you know, we all own these seats. If you have a guest or visitor, we've provided for him to sit in the air conditioning. He's purring away today. People's tithes and offerings are paid for that, for you to feel comfortable today. And I, I trust you feel comfortable and welcome. Uh, but it's, it's ours and we should, and we need to care about it. We need to care about people. You know, I think it's one of the things that it's not so much what people say and where they come from in this hour. I think it's our, our desire to think about how we treat people in this hour. All sorts of people. How do we treat them? I don't like that. Was that just angry you or is that passionate God? Is that faith talking or is that fear talking? Is that you just being angry and manipulative and cranky pants or is that you being led by the Spirit of God? So it comes back to that level of care that God wants us to have, number one, for his church, the body of Christ, but for people. And a lot of stuff mixed up in that, isn't there? Have lunch with people, see people. I personally, and one of the things we have, I think it's the only rule we've got in Freshwater Church, is no one's allowed to eat alone. I personally hate people eating alone, unless you want to eat alone. (laughs) I think it's important that we do that. My mum, when she was alive in, a, in her town, she set up a whole thing for, it was a lunch for people who eat alone. And so she set up this lunch in this hall. She organised the meat and everything like that and set it all up so that people come. I think she had about 40 or 30, 40 people coming every week for lunch just to, just to eat. And then people rose up and said, I'll donate this and I'll cook and I'll do this and I'll do the entertainment. And before long, mum just went along and no one knew even who started it. You know, because she had a passion to not talk about the problem, but talk about the solution, because that's faith in action, isn't it? And we can use our tongue, I'm wrapping up, we can use our tongue for whinging, or we can use it to build our life. The Bible says that in women, it says in Proverbs, doesn't it? A woman can build her house up and she can tear it down with the same tongue. My uncle was a wonderful man and uh, he was an interesting character and he lived on a big parcel of land in, uh, in Geelong. He bought it all and he had a passion because his daughter wanted to ride horses so he bought big allotments of land and uh, she had horses and stuff like that and they used to adjust other horses and stuff like that. Out of the abundance of his heart, his mouth spoke, got a contract, bought the land, built the house. He was an insurance salesman. So every day he had to go out and make money out of flapping his tongue. Didn't build houses, just flapped his tongue. The better he did it, the more money he made. But he wasn't going to speak negatively because that would tear his house down. That wouldn't feed his family. That wouldn't help his children. That wouldn't allow the goal of his life to see his daughter riding her horse around the paddock outside his house they wouldn't do that and today as he bought a lot of the mountain he sold it now they've got a whole suburb uh, he's passed away now but they've got a whole suburb that used to be his backyard that he sold he made a lot of money out of it and sold his business to his son you can do a lot with your tongue for good and for bad 
And you can see God's intention here in scripture today of what he intends your tongue to do. To love him, get close to him, be passionate about him, passionate about his word, and to walk by faith because it pleases him. It's another way to live, isn't it? I never knew that was possible because I was so motivated by living by my feelings. But I tell you what, my feelings have been left in the dust <laughs> long ago because I found something so much more wonderful and greater. That's to have faith in God. Or in one translation it says, to have the faith of God. Wow. I was talking to a guy the other day and I talked to him and he, he said, so what's being a Christian? What's the difference? I said, the path that I love is asking God, how does he run the world? He goes, what do you mean? He said, there's just problems here and there. And I said, no, I, want, I love seeing how God runs the world. Nothing that's happening today is a surprise to God. It said in Solomon there in uh, Proverbs, isn't it? Solomon, Ecclesiastes, well, he said, there's nothing new under the sun. All that's happening is nothing new. It's happened all before. All this crisis that's happening, they've happened before. It's nothing new. But we've got faith that goes right over the top of it because we're the solution. We're, we're here to be the solution. That's us. As they say with students these days at school, most of the careers that these students will go into aren't even invented yet. Aren't even invented yet. You know how they'll get invented? By that. Because you can't invent anything unless you talk to someone about it. You can work up a model, but after a while you've got to talk to other people about buying it, manufacturing it with a tongue. Father, we thank you this morning to understand in a very powerful, powerful way our tongues. They're not just there to flap, flap around and be untamed. They're there to be very sharp and powerful. Not sharp to, so to speak, tear things down. Some things need to be cut down, but Father, more to build up. What a powerful privilege we all have to use this little member wisely. Your word gives another example. It said it's like a rudder on a ship that directs the whole big, massive ship to the little rudder. We thank you, Father, today that we can repent of dead works, empty words, vain words. And come back to you and say, God, well, your words are powerful. And they're yes and amen. So, Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace and your mercy over our life to cause us to understand the revelation of a word in season, out of season. A word can be powerful people's lives. Help us, we pray, Father, not be snapping at each other and biting at each other. Let's be kind to each other as we check our hearts. In Jesus' name.